Women's Tech Radio, Episode 4. Women's Tech Radio is a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, where we interview women in technology careers. My name is Angela. And I'm Paige. Now, Paige, what is one of your best troubleshooting, technology troubleshooting stories? I had a a really good one. I had moved away from home um, and I've kind of always been family tech support. um, And my mom called me up uh, at one point and she was like, Paige, the computer is frozen. I don't know what to do. And this was really before we could do all the like remote login stuff that was easy. She was like, it turns on, everything shows up. But when I, you know, I try to move the mouse, nothing happens. Okay, mom. Well, let's, I, I I can't get home for another like two months really before I can troubleshoot this sort of thing. Are you going to be okay? And she said, Yeah, I can use the computer at work. It's not too big a deal because mostly she just um she just uses it for printing out things, doing a couple bills, nothing huge. Um, so we waited the two months, and I got home and I sat down in front of the laptop for the first time, and I was like, Okay, let's go. And I kind of you know it's booted up in Windows, and I wiggle the mouse, and nothing happens, and I I hit the Windows key and like up pops a start menu. I was like, okay, great. So I go to wiggle the mouse again and nothing moves. And so it's a wireless mouse. And I picked up the mouse and the batteries were dead. <laughs> so my mom had waited two months to use her computer, but the batteries were dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But the best part was she really enjoyed this because she got um, uh, come up inside of it because my aunt called her a couple weeks later and was like, my computer's dead. Mouse won't move. Same oh my problem. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's great. I love when we can impart that just basic troubleshooting to the people that we troubleshoot. Oh my gosh, that happened to me a lot. Yeah. Um, but my troubleshooting story is great. I worked at a medical supply company and I was setting up a concentrator, which is um, instead of having pure oxygen tanks, there was a wall plug-in type concentrator that got like 98% oxygen So you, you from didn't air. Like kill anybody in the story, right? I didn't kill anybody, okay. I promise. But one of our one of our patients had called in saying, it's making a really loud noise, you know, like it sounds like it's going to explode. I need you to come pick it up and swap out a new one. And of course, you know, like obviously if there's, if there's any hint that there's something wrong, we need to go because yeah, right away. they're using Life that. Yeah. So we go and... <laughs> I didn't go personally, but I found out later that they were keeping their concentrator in their in a closet, which is not good because it needs air circulation because it's using our air to oh, turn yeah. it, you know, into, concentrating the air. Yes. Uh, they had a vacuum on in the same closet. <laughs> they turned their vacuum on. And that was what was making the sound. So it was just a vacuum in so, the closet. Yeah. It wasn't the concentrator. Nope. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, all right. Well, so before we get into the interview, I just want to mention that we have a, a page where you could fund WTR. It is patreon.com forward slash today. And it is the Tech Talk Today Patreon. That is, it supports the entire network. But the Tech Talk Today show is our thank you to the people that are helping to fund what we do. Awesome. Now, who did we interview today? Uh, Today we interviewed Maureen Dugan, and she is a outreach coordinator at Epicotus. She um, kind of gives us a rundown of her story and her journey, and we started off with the question uh, to tell us a little bit about being an outreach coordinator at Epicotus. Sure. I work for a web development boot camp called Epicotus, and I'm our outreach coordinator. So I'm a graduate of the program, um, and right now I work helping all of our graduates find full-time positions as web developers and also coordinating our internship program. So give people a chance who have been learning Ruby on Rails to continue learning in wonderful environments. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about Epicotus the program? Yeah, it's a uh, four-month full-time web development boot camp for people who want to change careers 
it's designed for people who really have no experience web developing at all, but have shown some interest in it and are really excited to make a full jump and make the commitment to starting a brand new career. Um, we have a lot of different people in the class and we really like value diversity. We value that um, the different perspectives that different people bring to the, the table. And for me, going through the class, uh, having it be immersive and full-time with all-day pair programming was a really nice place to learn because you had a lot of people who were doing the same thing as you, um, but they all, everyone got to share their different perspectives and it made for a really robust learning experience. So you had no experience programming before you jumped in with Epicotus when you went through the program? Right, pretty much. I had done um, some HTML coding on WordPress sites before, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of like guessing and checking all the time. Um, so for me, like getting a full exposure to JavaScript and Ruby on Rails was really, really awesome and really, really fun. Cool. What were you doing before that? Before that, I worked for three years as a tennis coach and academic tutor at a nonprofit port program in Portland. So no technology there, or not much technology <laughs> Not much there. technology, no. It was like, yeah, I was kind of the admin on our website for a while and like, you know, helped get it set up, but really no, no technical skills there. Right. Um, so just dabbling. Beyond. Yep. Yeah. Just dabbling. What was the reason to make the switch? You know, I had, um, I had been in that position and it was a wonderful learning experience for me, just kind of getting a really working hard and having great coworkers and learning from really great mentors and I'd kind of outgrown it and I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. Um, I ended up actually getting some really good advice from friends who suggested trying a coding boot camp. Awesome. And were you in the first cohort for Opicotus? I was, my cohort was the third iteration. Um, so there had been two before my cohort, which was the spring of 2014. For like uh, people who either aren't familiar or might be interested in going through this sort of thing, like what did you actually do in the boot camp? Like you mentioned that you pair program, but like how, how does that happen? Yeah, um, so we have like all the curriculum for Epicotus is up online. It's at learnhowtoprogram.com. Um, and we kind of pre-class, we started with like one chapter of homework to, to test the waters and see if we liked it. And then once we get got into class, we grab a pair each day and just continue working through the curriculum together. Um, so it's very kind of, it really breaks down web development and we started from day one with test-driven development. So we were writing tests in Mocha and Chai for JavaScript. And like, I had no idea why I was writing tests at all. Now I do though. And it was just kind of a really cool way to get started. Um, but kind of day to day, the curriculum was made to break things down and then add to add on to the skills that you build each day. So got a really good look at, at a lot of the fundamentals for JavaScript and Ruby and Ruby on Rails. Uh, and you mentioned before, like that when, when you were doing your, your previous jobs, you were um, 
also the website administrator has that been kind of like a lifelong geeky thing where like you kind of always end up doing the technology thing as you're moving through life so even though you didn't like study programming before like you'd always kind of been that that person yeah I think you know I was telling someone the other day that um just being like the youngest person in my family everyone was like oh Maureen can fix that radio and she can get your cd player working so like people had always asked me to like fix something that was kind of uh technical in some way um for me actually i i can't say that i had that i was always drawn to web development um or like to to coding on websites mostly i like just figuring out problems um and really it was kind of it took someone else saying geez, you know, you really like puzzles and like you seem to like math a lot and you have a pretty good sense of logic and like you like playing games. These are all traits of a good web developer. And I'm like, I had no idea. Like, what are you talking about? That's really cool. Yeah. And problem solving is like the, just the heart of programming. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular other than the bootcamp and the learninghowtoprogram.com, were there any other links or resources that you found really helpful? I think um, kind of once I've been out of class, or so I've been out of class for a while now, and I've just been like beefing up a little bit on like some learning some cooler HTML and CSS tricks. So checking out something like CodePen is really cool because they you can kind of see your HTML, your CSS, and JavaScript all in one place, and then see what a website is doing. And you can kind of tweak it and then figure out what you like and add it to your own site. So I think that's been really fun for me to just kind of play around with things while um, like building my own portfolio site, that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, portfolio site. How important would you, you say a portfolio site is for somebody getting started in this field? I would say it totally depends on what you're looking for. Um, so I see people when they're looking for a front-end position, a portfolio site is basically mandatory. Um, people really want to see that you can uh, create a clean-looking page. You don't have to be a designer or particularly creative to do that, but you do have to kind of be able to know how to know how to code it and know some tricks that a lot of people are using, and, and that really kind of sets your application apart. I think that for like backend jobs and, and Ruby on Rails types jobs, the portfolio isn't quite as important, but something like your GitHub and having a few projects live um, that have a lot of a lot of coding and some API integration into them, like those are really wonderful resources to have. Awesome. And you, you're uh, so you're the outreach coordinator for Epicodus. Yep. And yeah. Um, so what is kind of, what does that entail and what are the challenges you face in that role? Yeah, I, um, so I do a lot of business development now, which is, you know, it's a shift from web developing, but it's kind of a really cool skill to build up to. Um, so I call and email employers, uh, daily to see if they're looking to hire people and if they're interested in working with junior developers. Um, then that also kind of leads to setting up internships for people and then I also mentor uh, everyone in their job search. And so doing things like cover letter reviews and resume reviews and all those things really help to um, help to kind of build up their experiences. I think as far as challenges that I face, like for me, I 
was adapting to being on the phone with people a lot. And that was kind of like, Oh, like I'm not super comfortable with this, but okay, I can do this. I can figure it out. Um, and then assisting people in the job search, like it's kind of cool to now see a couple of our cohorts go through a job search and be able to give them really good advice is pretty awesome too. And how did you get involved with women who code? I found out about women who code via meetup.com. Um, I actually just got an email one day like, Hey, there's a new group in Portland. It's women who code. And you guys had a start off meeting at Nike and that was actually kind of like a wonderful way to kick it off because like there was so much excitement about like, okay, let's go out to Nike. Like let's go be coders together. <laughs> and it was just, it was like electric kind of that environment that was created early on. Um, and so it's, yeah, uh, you guys have been doing an awesome job. Yeah. Do you find like being involved in a women's network really helpful? I know we've, we've talked some um, about, you know, trying to get more women involved in Epicodis, like, like how does how does that play in day to day for you? Like being a woman in in such a a man's field. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting question, um, and I guess kind of from my own experience and kind of how I entered the field, um, I feel like I have a maybe a slightly different perspective. Um, the the environment here in, in class at Epicodus was really really opening. Um, sorry, really open and really welcoming. So I guess for me in this environment, I never really felt like an outsider as a woman. I felt like I was part of the, the team of everyone who is new starting here together. Um, so that's kind of one perspective I've had in the industry. Um, since then, I've actually had people kind of ask me like, hey, you know, you were, a, you were training to be a developer, but now you're doing a slightly feminized role in the industry. And number one, I said, hey, thanks for asking me about this because like, it shows that you're a really caring person and that you are interested in, in women in technology. Um, let's see, where was I going with that? I also kind of, I like the question because it, it was just an opportunity to, to start a discussion. So I think I find in the position that I'm in, I get to have those discussions a lot and I get to connect with women and with men and with other minorities who are really eager to just talk about what's happening and to troubleshoot and offer guidance and um, advice to people entering the industry. Have you taken any non-bootcamp uh, IT courses like in college or high school? I took one programming class in college. And how does that experience differ from the bootcamp? Do you feel like there are a lot of people in that original class that knew more going in than did at the boot camp? Yeah, actually, um, it was a beginning level computer science course. And I think I took it as a senior and it was a, an engine, technically an engineering course. Um, I knew no one in the class, everyone else was an engineering major. And like, I was a liberal arts major and I had I actually had a TA ask me at one point, like, you seriously don't know anyone in the class? I was like, no, like, why would I? Like, they're all different ages than me, and I don't know what they do. Um, so that was kind of strange because I did really feel like an outsider in that situation. Do you find like the that in comparison, the the bootcamp experience was kind of um, more accessible, less intimidating? Especially, it sounds like with the pair programming sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I had I had such a good time here. Um, 
and also like any, anytime there was an issue, um, because you know, anyone could experience, um, someone saying, Hey, I know this, you have to listen to me. That could happen to anyone in class. It wouldn't just be happening to women. It could be happening to guys. Um, so we could all kind of share in like troubleshooting. Well, Hey, wait a minute. Like no one should be talking this way to anyone else. No one should be saying they know everything and making someone feel bad for not knowing something. So it kind of let us address, um, address issues that came up as everyone's a beginner, everyone has a different perspective and it's really just important to value that. And how about your class size? How, how big was the class in your boot camp? There were 60 students in all. 60? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big class. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Do you find it's different coaching um, men and women through the job like the job search process, like how, how I know you've had women come through, um, Epicotus, has it been different coaching that experience? That's a good question. Um, you know, as far as like the job hunt goes, the, the easiest people to coach are people who have looked for jobs a lot before they kind of, they just kind of know the routine and they, they know what to do. Um, sometimes it comes down more to, to age, I think, in, in the job coaching environment, like how often have you searched for jobs? If it's your first time doing it, it is, it's really intimidating. Um, so I haven't seen much of a, a gender divide in that actually. Hmm. That's good. I would have yeah. uh, thought that maybe like uh, resume suggestions might be a little different for women versus men. Um, or even the type of positions to apply for. I mean, not not necessarily that women can't apply for any job, but or I found more like willingness to apply for positions was different between my guy friends and my girlfriends. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know, I kind of I have to look at it at a on an individual level, and I've heard men say I didn't feel like I was applied for. That. I didn't feel like I was a good fit for a position, so I didn't apply to it. And I hear women say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've also seen, I've seen people take feedback really well too. And I don't know if that's partly like the environment that we kind of set everybody up in here to be really ready for feedback and responsive to it. I can't say for sure, but I haven't, uh, I haven't ever felt like someone wasn't taking my advice, um, regardless of if they're a man or a woman, it, it seems like everyone's been really receptive to it, which is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Great. We've, um, yeah. we've talked a little bit to some people about, um, the pair programming thing before and, um, some, mm-hmm. uh, several of our interviews before have had, uh, people who experience pair programming. Are you finding that there are actually some companies out there that are adopting pair programming? Like as you're, as you're getting people jobs out in the area and things? Yeah, I think most of the time when I hear about pair programming in the workplace, it, it comes in a couple forms. Um, some companies will say that that developers team up when they're working through a really difficult problem. And, you know, it's new for a couple of people. So they team up together so they can all learn it at once. Uh, I've heard other people say that they practice pair programming specifically when they're onboarding a junior developer. So for 
um, a couple for like the first week they pair and then maybe in the weeks after they pair less often. Um, but it tends to be a way to kind of bring someone up to speed pretty quickly and make sure that everyone's on the same page from the beginning. Um, I think with the exception of a place like Pivotal Labs, I don't hear of a lot of companies doing it on a regular daily basis. Um, although, no, I did hear of one recently. They are, all their developers are remote. And if they pair up on a specific PR a pull request, they actually don't have to have it reviewed by any other team members. So if it was a pair working on it, it can be automatically merged into uh, master once it goes through all the checks and balances. Oh, that's a pretty cool idea, actually. Yeah, I was like, that's really good motivation to have senior developers pair. So, um, what are you excited about about technology right now? Like, kind of what what's what's getting your passion going? Ah, uh, I I think I mostly just love um, how technology is. There's so much going on there's so many new things um and i love how everything new seems to be so accessible so like Paige, you were hosting a swift workshop here recently and there are just resources to use and a good group of people to work through um kind of learning you know what swift is um we had a meteor js workshop here last night and it was just like a cool environment where everyone was really eager and ready to get started together. Um, so I guess I, I really enjoy the, the community that seems to be developing around technology and new things seem to attract groups of people that kind of want to bash their head against it and figure out what's going on and figure out what they can do with it. So I really like that sense of community. I think bashing your head against it is a good way to describe it. <laughs> How about... Um, thing. <laughs> What's what's probably the best piece of advice you've ever either given or been given on your um, kind of your journey into getting into tech and stuff? Uh, I think one really effective thing was to kind of find what find what interests you most. Um, there are so many things out there that it's kind of easy to dilute your your story so to say and just say yeah I'm interested in web development I'm interested in being a full stack developer if you can kind of find a specific thing that really interests you then I think that it really helps you tell your story and it helps people envision what it's like to work with you so for me I was really lucky to have a friend who is mentoring me and who is really espousing all of the, the wonderful things that tester and development really gives you principally that writing tests will save you so much in the future. If you can commit to doing it on a regular basis and always doing that first. And so when I've been able to tell that story to people, I've always gotten really great feedback that they kind of feel like I have a sense of identity about who I want to be as a developer. And so that seems to be something where if you can kind of tell that, that personal story and what really, really interests you, it's something that can be really helpful as you continue to grow. That's really cool. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Maureen. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, if you want to be on Women's Tech Radio or if you'd like to send us feedback or a topic idea, please email us at wtr at jupiterbroadcasting.com. 